Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monero, where I come to you every week from my studio in Dallas, Texas. Today, my guest is Mark Podolsky, a.k.a. The Land Geek. It almost sounds like a wrestling name. It's like Mark the Land Geek Podolsky in this corner. But actually, he's not in a corner. He's walking on his treadmill desk as we do the podcast today. <laughs> I'd love it. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. How many miles do you put in on that, Mark? You, you know, what's so funny is I became so OCD with it. I was getting like 15,000, uh, you know, steps by like noon. And so I was like, <laughs> oh, this is getting too much. So I, st- I stopped tracking it. So you really, you stopped tracking it altogether. You just yeah. knew that it was at least 15,000. I mean, you know, the Fitbit, like, executives are calling me, are you okay? Like, you're walking an, ex- an extreme amount. Like, you're showing up you know. red on our screens at the headquarters. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you're, you're taking this a little bit too far. So, Mark, I was excited to have you on the, on the show. Obviously, the, the, the podcast is connected to my book, You Need More Money, which is a wake-up call and a roadmap for people to really get their heads around their money situation. I believe most people are way behind financially, and they are living in what I call false positive, this idea that they are doing better than they really are. And so uh, my book, as I mentioned to you before, tells the story of my brother-in-law who died of cancer. It was a very uh, big wake-up call and surprise for our family. And then to learn that he was behind, very behind financially, really Uh, became the genesis of the book. So I was excited to have you on because your strategy of buying land was an out for you. You were in a, I believe you called it a coma state corporate job, and you were just looking for a way out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I was stuck in what, you know, I now coin solo economic dependency, which means if I'm not personally working, I'm not generating any income. So whether it's a job or a doctor or a lawyer or a freelancer, you know, a solopreneur, you know, they built themselves a job. If you don't have any type of passive income stream, you're at tons and tons of risk. Right. And so I, I, I really became, you know, really like, like you, like this evangelist, like on this mission to help people get out of solo economic dependency so not only do they have more money, but they also have more protection and more freedom and more flexibility. It's, it's a big deal. And, um, and there's a lot of different ways for people to, to skin that cat. I mean, they can keep their job and just have a side hustle if they want that creates passive income. Did, is that how you started out with your land flipping? And I don't want to uh, skim over that. Your specialty right, right. is the buying of raw land and flipping raw land, not developed land. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. So, so the way that I got started was I was a really miserable investment banker mm-hmm. working in mergers and acquisitions with private equity groups. And I had a 45 minute commute to work and back. Where was this? Was what part of the country? This is in Phoenix. Hmm. Uh, it was a, a boutique firm. We were doing mid-market M&A, you know, five to 500 million enterprise value. So nothing crazy. Like, yeah. We weren't, we weren't knocking around with the golden saxes of the world, but I hated it. I mean, it was long hours, it was high pressure and it got so bad for me, Matt, that I wouldn't get the Sunday blues anticipating Monday coming around. I'd get the Friday blues anticipating the weekend going by really fast and having to be back at work on Monday. (laughs) 
So my firm hires this guy and he's telling me that on the side, he's making a 300% return on his investment, buying raw land at tax deed auctions. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm looking at companies all day long and a great company, great company has 15% EBITDA margins or free cash flow. Average companies at 10%. I'm looking at companies all day long, less than 10%. So I don't believe him. So I've got three grand saved up for car repairs. I go to New Mexico with him. I buy up 10 half acre parcels, an average price of $300 each. Hmm. I do exactly what he says to do. I put them up online. They all sell within the next 30 days for an average price of over $1,200 cash each. Hmm. 300% it worked. Hmm. So I took all that money and went to another tax deed auction in Arizona where I lived. And this is 2000. There's no one in the room. I might have lots and acreage. And over the next six months, I made over $92,000 cash on that one auction. Mm -hmm. So I said to my wife, I said, honey, I'm going to quit my job and I'm investing in raw land full time. Mm -hmm. She said, absolutely not. Yeah. She's pregnant with time. Oh. I said, all right, fine, fine. So I worked as a side hustle in my land investing business for 18 months until the land investing income exceeded the investment banking income. And then I quit and I've been doing it full time ever since. I've done over... 5,200 land deals. And give me the time frame on when you were starting, 2000, 2001, 2002? Two, yeah, so really I was able to quit my job in 2001. Oh, you were? Wow, yeah. So this was like 99, 98, 99, you actually got your feet wet in it? You were 2000, I actually 2000. got my feet wet, yeah. So yeah. it's an interesting strategy because uh, I'm in Dallas, Texas, and I have a buddy who um, uh, bought uh, property on the courthouse steps. And mm -hmm. I would go with him as his muscle man because he would have the briefcase with all the cash and, right. and I would be the guy that had to protect him on the courthouse steps. And it was so fascinating for me to get exposed to that. That was like 96, seven, eight that I was beginning to see how that worked where, um, you know, literally out of the corner of your eye, the bank rep might start his auction and you were bopping around from different parts of the courthouse steps seeing, is this the auction I'm looking for? Is this the auction that I'm looking for? And it was, it was madness. And then, you know, that game sort of, the secret got out of that game. Probably right, right around the same time you were, you're talking about it. Maybe 2002, 3, 4-ish is when that really seemed to no longer be a seeky-seeky way of, of buying property. And the sad part is I've watched my buddy take that portfolio that he built in such a short period of time that was very positive, um, and he never did anything else with it. Because once that dynamic of making the purchase on the courthouse steps sort of got saturated, he just sort of was like, it's too hard for me. Did that, did that mindset ever happen to you? Or can you relate to what, he's, what happened to him? Yeah, absolutely. So when the tax deed uh, rooms became more competitive and there's no more deals, then I thought, well, well how am I going to get deals anymore? So I thought, well, there's got to be a way to get to that seller who's losing their property to a tax deed auction before it goes to auction. I thought, well, what if I get the list of people that owe taxes and just send them an actual offer for their property? And that's what I did. So then I would get the, I would, I would buy those properties before they got to auction mm -hmm. and, and avoided the competition. So what made you decide that raw land versus a land with a property on it, whether it was in good condition or poor condition, what made you say that the raw land was the better play for you? I mean, Matt, you can see me like, uh, like, do I look like a guy who knows how to like even change a light bulb? 
<laughs> like I'm, I am as geeky as they get. So, you know, once I leave the computer, I like, I was just lucky to even be born in this time and age. Like I, I have no other skills. You're going to go and the Warren so, Buffett way that, it, that if you actually had to hunt for your food, you'd starve. Is that what you're going to I would definitely starve. I, I mean, there, there's just no other way. So like for me to like to meet subcontractors and be like, Oh, well, you're going to need insulation. I'm like, what, what is insulation? Like, and like, they could like, I wouldn't know the prices. Like there's just no way. And the, the physical piece of, a, of, a home like I even like my wife and I even joke like I have no business even being a homeowner like I should be <laughs> renting and so for me raw land was really ideal as far as this uh, commodity if you will mm-hmm. or this asset because here's an asset that lasts forever nothing to maintain nothing to protect and my only holding costs were you know inexpensive property taxes and so the game that I played was, well, how can I make this illiquid asset liquid and how can I make this illiquid asset cash flow? That's what I did. Yeah. So uh, you also benefited from the geography where you live, right? I mean, Phoenix, Arizona, Scottsdale, that whole area exploded, really ramped up into the oh four, five, six, seven. I mean, you could have been buying raw land way out. And the developers were, were still looking to build way out. So tell me how 07, 8, 9 really affected your business. So, you know, it's interesting. Like, I'm, I'm on the long tail of real estate. So when 08, when all the housing and commercial uh, started going down, I was profitable, really didn't get affected in 08, 09. 2010, 40% of my note portfolio just went away. It was between, you know, paying their note to me or groceries and they chose groceries. So for me, that was really like the wake up call because up until that point, it was really, really easy. And I took it all for granted. Mm. I, mean, I, I really had Parkinson's law of money. I mean, the more I made, the more I spent. Mm. I mean, I was having a good old time at mm. and uh, not smart at all. So that really affected me. And then the funny thing about it is it actually made me a better business person because it forced me to re-examine the model, look at the inefficiencies and really start building it to the next level because the only way I stayed in business where my competition kind of went under was I wasn't over leveraged. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to kind of, you know, I wasn't knocked out. In fact, the business was still profitable but I had to lower my personal overhead to be like, well, this is a cycle, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to have ups and downs. Like it just doesn't go straight up. So Mark, how does somebody get into this space? I mean, you got into it with very little money down. And I know that one of the methods you teach is low money down. I need to understand that. Look, I work for a company. I make a hundred grand a year. I'm bored stiff. It's the story that you told in 2000, 2001. How does the guy break free from that? And follow your lead. Give me the actual roadmap that somebody needs to follow to be able to do what you have done. Okay, so first thing we're going to do is we're going to look for somebody that is not emotionally attached to their raw land and distressed in some way. So, Matt, you're in Texas, right, Dallas? Yeah. Right? So I go to accounting Arizona. I say, oh, there's Matt Monero. He owes $200 in back taxes on this 10-acre parcel. So you're already advertising two things to me. Number one. 
you live in Texas, properties in Arizona, you have no emotional attachment. And number two, you're distressed in some way. When you don't pay for something, you don't value it. So either you can pay for it, you don't want it anymore. There's something going on because you owe back taxes. So what I'll do then is I'll look at the comparable sales for let's say the last 12 to 18 months on those 10 acre parcels. I'll take the lowest comp and I'm going to divide by four. And what that does, it gives me what Warren Buffett would call a 300% margin of safety. Mm -hmm. I'm going to send you an actual offer for that property. So Mark, so, let, let me interrupt yeah. just for a sec. How do we even find the data that tells you that a guy in Texas is behind on his property taxes in right. Arizona? So all that data is public. And if you go to a website called NACO, N-A-C-O dot org, all 3,007 counties, all their data lives in that one place. Mm. You can get the county assessor, the county treasurer, planning and zoning departments, all right there. So that public that information is public. You're just going to get that information, and then manipulate that data. Gotcha. Hmm. So so then I reach out. <clears throat> I'm lowballing the seller in an effort to, right. and I'm going to use my terminology, and please forgive me with it, in an effort to steal the property from the guy. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, we're not, of course, stealing. But no, we're, no, 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 no. Let me rephrase yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're just paying. You're offering a. Uh, a, and this is even even right terminology either because I mean I'm in the I'm in the credit business so it's it's like sort right. of saying that the rate is high or the rate is low right how do we know what that's right. compared to you're basically lowballing the seller in an effort to get them out of that property and perhaps eliminate their burden that they may or may not have but you're trying to get a bargain Correct. on their property we're gonna get right exactly so now three to five percent of people are gonna accept our quote unquote top dollar offer did you say three out of five three no three to five percent oh three so to five percent yeah. sorry gotcha so for every hundred offers yeah we're looking at three to five deals got it now once it gets accepted then we're going to go through due diligence mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so we're going to make sure they actually own the property mm -hmm. there's no liens or encumbrances no breaks in the chain of title yep there's ingress and egress legal access floodplain stuff jumping floodplains all this you know, we have a whole property due diligence. Right? Environmentals, one-twos, et cetera. Exactly. Got it. Exactly. And because of the time in what we're living in now, it cost me about $11 to do due diligence. We outsource it to the Philippines. It's amazing. Yeah. And then we can do a local Craigslist gig, have somebody go out there, yeah. physically stomp on the property, take pictures, shoot video, fill out our checklist. So I don't even have to physically go out and look at property. I can't tell you the last time I went and looked at a piece of property. Yeah. So now we own the property. So let's say, for example, that that ten acre parcel, the comps are ten grand, and I bought it from you for twenty five hundred. So now I've got twenty five hundred dollars into the property. Now I've got a best built in buyer to buy that property. So I'm going to sell this property in thirty days or less. Do you know who my buyer is? Uh no. The neighbors, mm, the neighbors. Yeah, so I'm going to send out neighbor letters saying, hey, look, here's your opportunity. You know, expand your holdings, protect yeah. your privacy, protect yeah. your views. Yeah. Oftentimes the neighbors will buy that property. Yeah. Now, if they pass, I'll go to my buyer's list. If the buyer's list passes, I'll go to a little website you've probably never even heard of called Craigslist. Yep. It's the 10th most trafficked website in the U.S. Yep. Then Facebook buy, sell groups. And the way that I'm going to sell it, this is where... We get the passive income. So I'm going to get a $2,500 down payment. Yep. And then 
I'm going to make it a car payment. Let's say four forty nine a month, nine percent interest over the next eight years. So now I'm going to get four hundred forty nine dollars a month for the next eight years. I got my money out on the down. Yep. Let's say, or even within six months of the down, I don't yep. have to deal with any renters. Yep. Rehabs. Yep. Renovations or rodents. But so, talk to me just a little bit about the money piece because the <clears throat> what you just described is uh, simple yet complicated. Right. But we right. gotta have the the twenty five hundred bucks to buy, and really at, on a ten acre parcel at twenty five hundred a piece, I need twenty five thousand bucks to be able to buy that piece of property. So, where does I don't have the money? How do I get my hands on the money to do it? Or is your argument, you know, tough? You need the money. No, no, no. My argument is you don't need the money. You need enough money. You need like 500 bucks to send out mailers. Hmm. If you don't have 500 bucks to send out mailers, find somebody who's got 500 bucks. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> now, now it's, now it's $2,500, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't have it. So, but you do have enough money to, to contact the neighbors, so the neighbors say, okay, I want to buy it. You say, great. Now you're going to tell your seller, look, it's going to take me 90 days to do due diligence. Yep. It takes you two. Yep. But you just bought yourself three months mm-hmm. to find a buyer. The buyer then puts the $2,500 down to you. You take that $2,500, you pay off your seller, and then you do a dual closing. So you yep. get an infinite ROI. Yeah, right, right, right. Now the other thing you could do is say, hey, look, Mark, I locked up this deal for $2,500. I don't have $2,500. I'm going to assign the contract to you for $3,500. There's enough meat on the bone there. Mm -hmm. You just made $1,000 just by locking up the deal. Yeah, I mean, that strategy has been employed in a number of different areas, right? I mean, I've even seen it in the car and the truck business a lot, very similar in the ways. But what I really do like about your um, raw land deal. It's actually the way I invest in real estate. I only invest in real estate through limited partners because I don't want a phone call. I don't want to hear about it. I don't care about how you market the property. I don't care whether the roof needs fixing or I just want my rate of return. And if the partnership throws off the appropriate rate of return, count me in. And so I love this this no no tenants, no rodents, no no repairs. I love this mindset. Yeah, and it's 90% automated with software. Mm-hmm. I mean, what used to take me 20 minutes in the paperwork takes two seconds. Mm. I can put up 120 ads on Craigslist by pressing a button. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I can send out 1,000 offers by pressing a button, mm-hmm. just uploading into a list using an API with lob.com. Mm. And then on the back end of it, I created a software product called geekpay.io, that automates collecting the money yep. via ACH. And if the ACH fails, it charges a credit card on file. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's, uh, it's the best time ever to be alive. It, it really is. And it's such a big takeaway. Look, I love the yeah. strategy that we're talking about. I'm grateful that we're, you're taking the time to do it, to share this with the audience of a different way to make up the financial gap that most people don't even know that they're in. That's the whole purpose of what we're doing here. But what I do love about it is what you just said. People need to understand it is the greatest time to do whatever it is that you want to do. It has never been easier. I mean, I used to have to just listen to cassette tapes in my car to try to get skilled up. Now you can go to this thing called YouTube and learn anything on the planet and it doesn't cost you a nickel. But in your situation, talk to me about your RevGen. Is that all you do or are you selling these, this strategy? Are you selling a system where somebody can do this? Yeah, absolutely. So I've got Frontier Properties, which is my land investing company. Yep. 
Then I've got Land Geek, which teaches people. So we're the Sherpa, right? We take people up the mountain of land investing and help them get up there quickly, efficiently, safely, not die on the mountain. And then we have the software company, uh, GeekPay, that automates it yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. By the way, do you have to be – could I do all that for non-land, raw land deals? Could I use GeekPay for my, for my yeah, single yeah. families and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. Collect rent. Um, yeah. You know, now it does the amortization if you're charging interest. Yeah. But if you're a private lender, you know, you could do that. But if you're not, if you're not charging interest, um, you're going to have to have a lot of homes for this to make sense for you because um, there's a lot of other ways to get recurrent. Like you can use like checkbook.io yeah. uh, to get recurring checks from your tenants without using a, a software company mm-hmm. like mine. Mm. Um, so I don't really go after landlords because, um, unless they've got a lot of property, it's not economically that viable for them. Like, why would they pay a, a software fee when you could pay almost nothing? Yeah, for- I got you. Just running an ACH or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask this one last question, which <clears throat> I think is important. How do you know where to look for the deals? I, we understand we understand that you know that you can go to uh, naco.com not.org naco.org we get it but am i looking in the city am i looking in the suburbs am i looking in the sticks where am i looking to to determine whether i want to buy or yeah, that's a great question okay yeah so finally Matt, i asked one finally i got yeah, no they're all great questions but let's just be honest right nobody's going to wake up and think to themselves boy i really want some raw land in minnesota today Unless you live in Minnesota, right? But if you have property in Florida, Texas, Nevada, Arizona, California, New Mexico, Colorado, or, you know, Oregon. How about the Carolinas, Washington, Georgia? Eh, the Carolinas, maybe. Mm. It's a little pricey. Mm. Um, you know, but we, so we want to go to these areas that have lots of inexpensive raw land you know, two hours from the nearest city, mm-hmm. right? I mean, let's take California, for example. Can I buy an infill lot for a million dollars and then flip it for two million? Maybe. No. Oh, you no. can't? No, because if, if I've got an infill lot in San Francisco, I'm going to the biggest, baddest land broker in town, yeah. and they're not going to give it up. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I understand. Okay, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. So you're going to have, you know, so we want people that, you know, like think about like your own home, right? You go in your garage, and you're looking around, you're like, I'm not even going to do anything with these golf clubs anymore. The golf clubs might be worth $1,000, but to you, Matt, they're worth nothing now. Yeah. Right? That's, those are the people that we want, are the people that look at their golf clubs and think, I'm never going to golf again. What am I doing with this? It's taking up space. And they're just happy to be rid of it. Mm-hmm. We want those people. So stay with me then on, uh, on that. Does that mean that you're, you're – let me ask you the mindset of your typical seller. Is it someone who's – who inherited it, and they're like, oh, man, dad never did anything with it, and I don't care about it. I'm, I'm, I'm in Scottsdale, and the property's in Colorado. Or is it someone who maybe already developed it, and this happened to just be overflow, and they weren't exactly sure what to do with it? I mean, what is the mindset of your seller? Is it someone who's destitute, or is it someone who's well-heeled? It's both. It is. It's really both, yeah. So the, the well-heeled guy doesn't care, and the, the seller that's destitute wants money for, for medicine. Yeah. And we're talking. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you like two hours out of the nearest major metropolitan area. Is that what you just said? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you know we're going to get really inexpensive raw land, and there's lots of it. Hmm. 
I just, uh, I mean, listen, in Dallas, Texas, do you have any property in, in the in the Dallas Fort Worth area? I love, I, no, not Dallas Fort Worth, but I love Texas. So, so, you know, I moved here a long time ago. I moved here in 1995. And when yeah. I moved here, no, I didn't have a friend of a friend of a friend. And somebody told me, you know, go to this place and live. Now, before I, I moved here and I went to the place and I'm like, man, this is freaking Mars. I'm like, where the hell am I? I'm yeah. like 30 miles outside of downtown, right? Single guy. I'm like, somebody sold me down the river, man. I should have been downtown. Do you know that that area that I lived in now is like almost considered downtown? And you've seen that happen through your career where these way out locations that you thought when you were buying in 2000, 2001, 2002 are now overly populated and developed, right? Yeah, now, absolutely. So if you're buying in the path of growth, then you don't, you, you put those into a trust and you just wait, mm-hmm. right? So your typical land model is what you just described, the land banking model. And the chart looks like a hockey stick, right? So those land values stay flat, stay flat, stay flat. Development comes boom. Yeah. Matt and Mark are millionaires. So that can happen. My model is more, hey, I want my passive income to exceed my fixed expenses. How many land notes do I need to create for that to happen? Yeah. Focus on that. And then if I find something in the path of growth, great. If I don't, no worries. My passive income is going to increase every single month. So, Mark, one of the guys in my office as we close, I mean, literally just landed uh, an amazing deal. He bought a long-term hold. He wanted some property in Colorado for the future. He's like 30 years old. He's made a few bucks with me and a very low over personal overhead, no kids, married, no kids. And um, I'm not exactly sure what he spent on it. I think he spent about 80 grand for 40 acres, kind of in the middle of nowhere of Colorado, but there was a stream running through one edge of the property. And you probably bought that from me. <laughs> well, then here, here's how it finishes. Maybe you is he, are is the owner. Fancy? Am I, is it, did he pay cash? He, didn't, he paid cash. It wasn't from me. But if he put like 20 grand down, he probably bought it from me. So the call comes in about, six months after he owns it, just sitting on it, doing nothing with it from a uh, developer who says they want to build a golf course and they want to buy the property. And they paid him double what he paid for the property. And he took the money. And then they called him back and said, you know, now that we've looked at the plot, there's going to be about an acre left. As they were negotiating, there's going to be about an acre left and we don't need it. So we're going to give you that acre. We're not going to, we're just going to pay for the 39 acres and we're just going to give you that one acre. So do you know that he sold the property, doubled his money, kept an acre and on that acre, he'll probably build a little house and that acre is still backed up to the stream. Yeah. I mean, you know, these things happen all the time. Um, Oftentimes, these are what I call spreadsheet deals where a company looks at their spreadsheet and it's not the highest and best use for them. So, you know, imagine a timber company, right? So they're looking for the timber deals. Now there's 10 acres that there's no timber for them, but it might be a beautiful property. Mm-hmm. But for them, it's a spreadsheet. They just need to get rid of that land. So yeah, you find those all the, all the time mm. Um, mm. where, you know, these tax, uh, you know, these tax lien funds, for example, right? And they're going to the, the auction. All of a sudden they made a mistake and they bought, 10 acres when they thought they were buying a single family home, it's a spreadsheet to them. Yeah. They don't care. They yeah. need to get rid of that land. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mark, I love it. I mean, it's definitely different. The whole idea is to bring new ideas to the audience so the audience gets exposed to different ways to make up the gap. So, Mark, what is the name of the new book? Well, Matt, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) It's Dirt Rich. Uh, One ambitiously lazy geek created passive income in real estate without renters, renovations, and rehabs. And um, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that this could probably end up changing the entire universe. Well, I like the sound of that. Go a little step further. Tell me, tell me where that, where that thought process comes from changing the entire universe. Stay with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I do think that the book is really, really gives you a great um, understanding of the model, Mm -hmm. the idea of solo economic, um, how, you know, I find these deals, do these deals, it's just the mindset you need to have when you start any kind of new venture, which I call embrace the suck, right? Like you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. So many times people start in real estate or some other venture, it gets hard and they're like, you know, screw it. I'll, I'll go on Matt's pod. It's an ATM investing expert. I'll go into ATMs and they're on to the next thing. Yeah, well, that's exactly what what uh, what happens. That's exactly right. And so we, we end up right. always being the student, right? Um, and sooner or later, the way we, we make more money is we got to pull the trigger. What I think is very interesting is right. when I when when most people look at your 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 model, and I want to finish on this, what most people will do when they look at your model is they think it is the buy on the outskirts of town. They chase the development, and that hockey stick is going to happen for them. Oh, my gosh, I bought it so cheap, and then all of a sudden the developers came in to build skyscrapers. Could you imagine? And and I think what I'm hearing from you is that's really not your model. That is not the model. Yeah. I have nothing against that model, but that is a completely different model. Yeah. Same thing if you wanted to go and you know take risk, and you want to buy up an entitled piece of land and go through – the process of, of getting it shovel ready for a developer. Sure. I mean, I've got a friend who does that. They make four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars on those deals. Yeah. Lots of risk. Yeah. Lots of moving parts. Yeah. Um, I, I make the argument that look, once you get your passive income 10, 15, 20,000 a month, you know, it's your, so you can start doing those deals if you wanted. T- tell me, tell me your favorite deal though, Mark, not the one necessarily that you made the most money on, but I'm really interested in, I bought this piece of property that it's exactly where Mark's going to pitch his tent and and you're all going to ride off in the sunset. Have you found that piece of property yet for your family? You know, I've got a bunch of properties and trust in the path of growth. I mean, again, like, you know, as we've talked about earlier in the podcast, like I have no survival skills, so I don't, like, I don't look at raw land. Like it's for me personally. Um, So I don't have any of those pieces of land. I will tell you that, when I first started out, one of my favorite deals was uh, I made a mistake in due diligence. So I buy this 40-acre parcel in New Mexico, and I think it's 40 acres. Really, it's, it's 25 acres on the side of a mountain in 15 accessible acres. And I paid $2,500 for it. I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm an idiot. This is never going to sell. So I put it up on eBay at a minimum bit of a dollar. And I thought, well, if I just get my money out, I'll be happy. So the first day it gets bid up to twenty five hundred dollars. I'm like, did I do something wrong in the ad? Like, I'm looking at the ad. Yeah, like, am I no, misrepping this, right? <laughs> yeah, am I misrepping it? So by the tenth day, it goes to thirty two thousand five hundred dollars, wow. and now I'm freaking out, mm-hmm. right? And so I call, I call the buyer. I'm like, you realize 
that this property is on the side of a mountain. You saw the maps, right? You saw the topo map and all that. Like, you, you really didn't get 40 acres. He's like, it's perfect. <laughs> a director from LA, and he wants to film out there, and you don't want to hassle with permits. So for him, it was like a bargain. So it's just going to show you like there's there's a pig for every barn in this business. Yes, there's, there's a lust for land in this country. You don't realize. I like to say there's an audience for every video. You know, I love that story. <laughs> okay, Mark, listen. Uh, the book is called Dirt Rich, right? Dirt Rich. Dirt Rich. Mark Podolsky is my guest today, buddy. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Mark, best way for people to follow you, Mark Podolsky, a.k.a. The Land Geek. So, Matt, if they go to thelandgeek.com, they can download for free our Passive Income Blueprint. They can get the ebook, How to Avoid the Three Fatal Land Buying Mistakes. And they can get the Art of Passive Income podcast delivered each week to their email inbox. Hopefully, you're going to come on my show. And then if they email support at thelandgeek.com and the subject line is Matt, Monero, or you need more money, or I need more money, right? We'll send them for free our $97 passive income launch kit course. Cool. So support at thelandgeek.com, subject line, you need more money, and we'll send them that course for free. And that way, they're going to get enough information to know if they really want to get deeper into this model. Yeah, I love that. That's a, And the book is available on Amazon when? Uh, I think we're launching next week. Okay, great. So, Cool. Um, we'll let everybody know. Mark, thanks for being on. I appreciate it, man. I enjoyed it fully. Thanks, Matt. I you appreciate it. it. Take Thank care, you. buddy. Bye. That's our episode this week with your host, Matt Monero. Check us out every Friday at 12 p.m. Central as we discuss money, your life, and how you need more money.